The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. Are you the type of person who says, it will never happen to me? Well, that may be true when it comes to the lottery, but there is something that will happen to all of us. The question is, will you have made plans for those you leave behind? Your host, Tim Whistler, has suggestions for all of us on planning the legacy we want. I'm Patrice Sikora, and Tim, death is a sobering topic. Yes, Patrice, it most certainly is. And it's not a topic that we like to discuss. But as we know, death and taxes are the two most certain events that we will experience. We don't look forward to either one, obviously, but um, one of them is a little bit more final than the other one. And we're all going to leave a legacy for those that we leave behind when we slip into eternity. Now, what type of legacy that we leave behind is truly up to us. So what I wanted to do today in our episode is just to share a couple of real-life scenarios that I'm experiencing right now as an advisor with two different sets of folks who recently dealt with the loss of loved ones. As you said, there are two stories. Let's start with one that is really a little more heart-wrenching. This involves a woman who lost her husband and still has a young child at home. That's right. So it was the summer of 2020 when one of my longtime Medicare clients shared some very sad news with me. And she told me that her 41-year-old son had been diagnosed with lung cancer and the outlook wasn't good. So she was a little bit concerned about their finances. And uh, she just asked me if I would be willing and able to meet with them. I said, absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. You know, if it's up to them and, and if they want to welcome me into their home, I'd be happy to. So they did. And uh, they were interested in meeting with me. And uh, I went to their house. And, you know, unlike most other meetings, I knew this one was going to be exceptionally difficult. This story is very, very real, but I use fictitious names. So the day came for me to meet with Mike and Julie. And our conversation involved the discussion about their finances and how to help them gather details so that I could provide the vivid analysis for them. You know, and we were talking, we were trying to be very optimistic. Even Mike himself was saying, look, I know what I have. I know what the doctors have said, but I still want to talk through things as though I'm going to retire someday years from now. I said, perfect, let's do that. And then he also said, but at the same time, let's talk through things to make sure that we're aware if I don't make it, what Julie and the family is going to face with. I said, perfect, Mm -hmm. let's do that. About a week later, we're scheduled to meet and review the numbers when I get a call from Julie. And she said, Tim, Mike's not feeling well today, so we're going to have to reschedule for the following week. We'll try then. I said, that's fine. Just give me a call back and let me know. And then as that day arrives, I get an email. At the bottom of the email was sent from my phone, that little disclosure. Right. She said in the email, she goes, we're going to have to postpone because Mike's in the hospital and he's not feeling well. And then a few days later, I find out from my client, just happened to be browsing Facebook that day. And I see her post that she's feeling emotional and she's lost her son. Mike had passed away, lost his battle, and he was 41 years of age. He left behind Julie, who's 43, and their youngest child is still living at home and he's 13. 
I mean, it's just, it's heart wrenching, just like you said. So a few weeks later, I get an email from Julie with a request for us to meet. And she wants to start the process of receiving funds from Mike's accounts, his 401k, life insurance, et cetera. So we sit down and we begin to review the numbers. And unfortunately, this is where things really became very uncomfortable. She said that this is far worse than she had imagined because he kind of handled everything in their household. And I guess as they were talking through some things between the two of them, the numbers that he was sharing with her weren't the fic- the factual numbers. So she kind of wonders maybe if his mind wasn't starting to slip a little bit from all the chemo and all the radiation, because now she's looking at statements and the 401k wasn't near the size of what he had expressed it to be. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately, she found out that the only life insurance he had was through the group benefit from his employer. So when the final figures were paid out, she received an amount that was equal to less than two years of his income. That's it. Oh my gosh. And that's what was really troubling because I later saw, because she's going to receive some social security benefits because of having you know, a child still living at home, but those benefits will end. When that child, I think it's turns 18, 19, somewhere around that age group, those benefits are gone until she becomes eligible for social security benefits down the road. We're talking years yet away. So when we were talking through that, she had a copy of Mike's most recent social security statement. And I looked at his income And Patrice, this is where it really got sad. This guy was smart. He was working through his career from college until he passed away. He worked for two separate Fortune 100 companies. And in his last nine years of earned income, he was making well over six figures. Oh, wow. Okay. So to that point was like, okay, here these folks are earning good income and unfortunately just didn't plan that far ahead. Like I said before, nobody really wants to talk about it. But they had the opportunity to maybe reposition some of those funds to make sure in case of a situation like this occurring, that now we can stay in the house that our kids have grown up in. We can keep our son in his same school so he can have the same friends. But here's the takeaway from this story. When we are providing for others, we bear a tremendous responsibility. And that responsibility doesn't end when we pass away. So in this example here, Mike's no longer living, but he left behind Julie and their youngest child still living at home. And this is where I encourage the listener to go back and listen to episode number three, when Patrice, Mm -hmm. you and I spoke about the ultimate love letter, right? I can't stress it enough that we have to sit down and as uncomfortable as it is, we have to have that adult conversation about the unsettling situation of a spouse passing away too young. Rhonda and I have talked about this and I know she doesn't like it. But I've just flat out told her, I said, look, honey, just in case something happens to me, I want to make sure that you have choices and you have the choices to do what you would like to do. I mean, do you want to continue to work as a nurse? Do you want to sell this house and go somewhere else? I mean, options is what it's all about. And those funds that we can receive from a life insurance policy or from a 401k, whatever the case may be, at least it gives a surviving spouse some options. So we really only get one shot to get this right. So. I just tell people, please don't not only add this family to your prayers that Julie will be able to get that job that allows her to successfully navigate this new chapter of her life, but more importantly, allow this story to carve out time with you and your spouse and discuss what he or she would face if you were in this story. Two things that hit me here. There was no time to plan. I mean, they brought you in so late. Yep. There really was no time to plan, number one. And number two, It's crucial to share information on money. 
You yes. may not be the one who takes care of all the finances, but you should be aware of what the finances are. That is a fantastic point, Patrice, because in most households, and I mean, I see this regularly, I don't care if we're talking 40-year-olds, 60-year-olds, just like you said, one of them usually kind of is the quarterback of the finances. But like you said, you said it so well, being aware of it. Hey, honey, here's my 401k. Just wanted to let you know. Perfect. She can go about her day. She doesn't care, he or she, whatever the case may be. But you're exactly right. And that's what was really troubling for me because when I found out that number, it just tore my heart. Here I am talking to my business developer as we're putting together a plan for these precious dollars that are now going to be the lifeblood for Julie to get her life situated in this new chapter because she has very limited options because the, the funds just were not there for her as they should have been. Let me ask you and tell me if you can't answer, that's fine, but what does her future look like? Well, her future, I'm very optimistic for her. I'm going to be optimistic. She has not worked out of the house for, well, at least since their youngest was born. So again, he's 13, 14, something like that. But she told me at our first meeting when I met with her and Mike that her background was in nursing. So when I met with her, of course, I'm, it's a very delicate conversation to have, as you can imagine, but she did share with me. She goes, well, it looks like I'll probably have to start brushing up on my nursing skills a little bit. I do know there's a demand for that. So I probably will be able to get something. I just got to figure out how to get a work schedule that's conducive to their son at still living at home with her, being in junior high. So we've talked about a couple of things. We went through the process of saying, okay, here's your tax-free life insurance money. Here's his tax-deferred 401k. We need to start talking through some things because these dollars are going to be very critical to getting you through this transition period, if you will, and making sure that she's not forced to make some very unsettling, uncomfortable decisions. So I think so far they're, she's okay. But again, it's going to be, she's going to have to go out and get some type of income sooner than later because even with the social security money coming in, she's really had to trim down their budget from before. And they knew that. I mean, she actually kind of admitted to that to me. I said, I'm not here to judge. That's not for me to say. But she's saying that we're, we're, I have to trim things way down because I don't have enough money to sustain what we were doing before. And that also Just, brings up another point too. She has nursing skills. If you have skills, maintain them. Maintain right. your certifications. Yep. You never know when you might have to go back to those. Yep. That's absolutely right. It's a great point. Absolutely. So again, like I said, I, I, she stays in touch with me regularly. We have taken, put a couple of things in action, uh, taken a couple of steps to kind of move forward, but we're not quite done with everything quite at the moment. And like I said, I'm just taking my lead from her. She knows. In fact, like I said, I met them through Mike's mother and I literally just saw her a couple of days ago at a Medicare event that I held for my clients. And we spoke about Julie and I asked how she was doing. And again, you know, Mike's mom was optimistic as well, but still expressing concern over how everybody's handling this loss. So it's very heart-wrenching. All right. Tell me your second story. Let's see if this one's a little more uplifting. <laughs> it is. It is a little more uplifting. You know, because again, the, the point of these two stories is the fact that there is going to be an inheritance, but unfortunately, the, for one, the inheritance wasn't quite what it should have been. However, the second story is, and this story is about an inheritance from mom and dad. Okay. So I first met with this couple named Bob and Mary about four years ago. And they were well into their 70s. And the purpose of our conversation was simply to review their financial situation and to confirm that things were aligned properly for not only one another, but also for their daughter, Stacy. 
And after a handful of meetings had been completed, and uh, I worked on a couple of different things for Bob and Mary, they had asked me to come back over to the house at this scheduled date because Stacy, who lives a couple of states away, was going to be there and they wanted me to meet her. I said, mm-hmm. okay, I'd be happy to. And it was interesting because at that meeting, when they introduced me to Stacy, they said, Mary looks at her daughter and says, this is the guy. This is the guy you're going to talk to <laughs> when that time frame comes. And at that time, Bob and Mary were actually, their health was pretty good, not great, but okay. Yeah. But they just simply wanted to have things lined up because they didn't want Stacy to experience what they went through when Mary's parents passed away. Because unfortunately, there was very little planning involved. And it was kind of a somewhat messy experience for Mary and her siblings when they were settling the estate from her parents. So that's why Mary was so adamant about being sure that things were lined up so that the finances would transition to Stacy was simply as efficiently as possible. So that's why they kind of brought me in so Stacy could put a face with a name. Mm-hmm. So now we fast forward a couple of years, okay? And I get a call from Stacy, kind of out of the blue. She says that my mom's not feeling well. She's in the hospital. I just kind of wanted to let you know. I said, wow, I appreciate you letting me know that and I'll keep her in our thoughts and prayers. And then unfortunately, a few weeks after that, I get a text message and her mom had passed. So she wanted to meet again and just kind of review things again, because now Bob's health had also started to kind of taken a turn for the worse. He's got got somebody coming in, in the house, checking on him occasionally, then ultimately went into a nursing home. And so just Stacy just wanted to meet again and make sure things were still kind of lined up, which they were. And then a few months after that, I get a text message and now that Bob has passed. So here Stacy is. She's now in this chapter that her parents have planned for. She's now going to experience that first time event of settling that estate that her mom and stepfather had left her. Now, they did it very, very well. They had set up a revocable living trust, which is an absolutely incredible benefit to those who inherit assets because Stacy's going to reap the benefits of that trust because she wasn't at the mercy of the courts by having to experience the pain, the frustration, and the expense of the probate process. Right. right. Now we're going to, I plan on us diving into that topic and in the near future, but I'm going to hopefully get an estate planning attorney on with me and we'll talk through that. But for right now, we just know that probate is a very painful and a very frustrating experience. But when it's all said and done, Stacy is going to inherit significant dollars from life insurance proceeds, from IRA funds and other investments from her mom, again, stepfather. And Stacy's in her mid fifties. She has two grown children who are out of the house, living on their own. Stacy's single. She's lived well within her means for all these years of supporting herself. And, you know, I found that to be very interesting when she and I started the conversation and I saw how she's handled her finances. It really was interesting to see how well she has done for herself. She's putting money away consistently into a savings account. She has a mortgage, but no other credit card debt. And I just kind of look at that as I say, people who manage their income well will value their inheritance. True. But again, but despite of the avoidance of the probate process, settling a state still brings along the challenge of dealing with finances while we're also being enveloped in the grieving process. Our loved ones are forever gone and our lives are forever changed when we lose a mom or a dad or a spouse. So I told Stacy, I said, look, this is not the time for you to have to make financial decisions. Okay. This is a time in which we transition the funds and we prepare them for the time when She will evaluate what she wants to do with the funds for her and her kids. So I told her, I said, there's no deadline, Stacy. I said, you will know when you're ready to begin that conversation and you know how to get a hold of me. So here we are in October of 2021, and we're just a few days away from it being a full year since Bob's passing. 
And now it's Stacy got a hold of me about two months ago, and we're now kind of start put things together. Like I just kind of anticipated. She contacted me. She goes, "Okay, the funds are here. The funds are here, and the funds are here. What can we start doing now?" I knew she now she's ready. So we start looking at numbers and we start talking through the process. And I walk her through the same process as I do with anybody. We go through the inventory of her assets. We take inventory of her income. She prepares her expense template. We look at liabilities, right? And (laughs) what was so wonderful about this experience of the legacy that was left for her was that we're talking significant money here. We're talking seven figures for her. And she doesn't realize the magnitude of it. I know that because she hasn't said certain things that I'm waiting for her to say. (laughs) But together, we've created a plan for her that provides her with more income than she earned as an employee. It provides her with the opportunity for their growth. And about 75% of the portfolio is completely sheltered from market volatility. So Stacy will not only enjoy the benefits from the legacy that was given to her, but more than likely, she will be able to pass the baton on that incredible legacy to her kids as well. So it's been a fantastic journey. Like I said, we just literally started the conversation not too long ago. We're getting ready to move forward here in the first phase, but it's going to be enjoyable to watch her reap the benefits. And a couple of Zoom calls that we've had, I mean, she shed some tears because she understands the value of what her mom and stepfather left for her. You said she's getting quite the influx of funds. How do most people handle that well? (laughs) That is a fantastic question. So I love that to answer that with this. I did a little bit of research because an influx of wealth is something that seriously should not be taken lightly. And you look at sports athletes. A recent study reported that within five years of retirement, 60% of NBA players and 78% of NFL players file bankruptcy. Yeah. You think about that, right? They're paid tens of millions of dollars. In his prime, the boxer Mike Tyson had $400 million of net worth and went bankrupt. Another boxer, Evander Holofield, in his prime was worth over a half a billion dollars, went bankrupt. And this last one is kind of hits more home to us than some of these numbers. Nearly one third of all US lottery winners declare bankruptcy. Yeah. So an influx of wealth. As I said before, if people don't know how to manage income, will they be able to handle an inheritance? Will they be able to handle an influx of wealth like that? So here are some things that we should probably look at because we don't want to be a part of these sad sad statistics, right? Let's think things through before we go racing to the dealership to pick up a Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let inheritance outrank intelligence. I like that. I like that. You really need the things through before you go blow through all of that, which more than likely will be a one-time event in your life, especially if it's an inheritance. Stacy, I don't, not to my knowledge, I don't think she has an, another rich uncle that she's aware of. So chances are this will be the this one time. It. This is it. Yeah. So let's look at this from intelligence. So here's some good questions to think through when you have an influx of wealth. The first one, what are the tax considerations when I spend this money? Okay. Is the money taxable? Is it tax deferred or is it tax free? Mm -hmm. It's going to be one of those three. So before we go out and spend it, let's understand the status of the funds that we just received to put together a game plan for when we spend the money. How is the IRS going to play a role in that equation? Second question. So my inheritance is in the form of some investment accounts, and I am not at all comfortable with some of these holdings. How can I reposition them? 
that's a conversation that Stacy and I had because Bob wasn't a very, he was a very aggressive investor. I mean, he had some funds and some accounts that I'm like, I mean, when I met him four years ago, I'm like, Bob, are, these are your choices. Are you sure you know where you're? I'm like, holy cow, I'm getting nervous for you. And I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s at the time and he's in his 70s. He's like, yep, I love those returns. I'm like, okay. Hey. But Stacy receives the inheritance. And just with having receiving these monthly statements over, over the previous year, she's seen major fluctuations one way or sure. the other. And most of these fluctuations one month are more than some people make in a year. So she's like, Tim, uncomfortable. So what do we do with that? So that's something to consider as well. If we receive the, the inheritance through the form of some investment accounts, how do we reposition them? Okay. Another one. So I just received the check from the life insurance company for half a million dollars. Where should I put the money? Mm -hmm. Now, what should we do with that? Well, let's talk through that. Another question to answer. Should I use these funds to pay off large balances? That's mm. probably one of the most popular ones yeah, that I get. Yeah. Hey, Tim, should I write the check? Should I pay off the mortgage? Should I pay off the college loan? Should I pay off the kids' college loans? Right. Okay. Good question. Another question to think about, how do I incorporate these funds into, into my financial plan? Okay. We obviously just don't want to let them sit there. Let's leverage them. Let's put them to use. But how do we do that? And then I think one final question to think about is, how can I use these funds to update my estate plan? Because like we talked about at the onset, we're going to leave a legacy. Yeah. So if we receive an influx of wealth, do I want to set up a legacy for my kids, my grandkids? Do we want maybe just to establish a war chest of funds to be used for expenses? Should we lose our independence due to an illness? We don't want to be a burden to our kids by having them needing to care for us because they're busy living their lives, raising their kids. We talked about that in episodes 13 and 14 with Bill Comfort. We talked about long-term care and the uncomfortable conversation that it is. So if we now have an influx of funds that we don't maybe need for income, could we maybe reposition and leverage some of those funds for a conversation like this as well? So again, that whole legacy planning has many different layers and looks and feels to it. It's just a matter of how do we want to incorporate that influx of wealth into our current situation. What do you feel about the children being involved in these decisions? It's, it's something I always ask. And Stacy and I talked about that. And in fact, she brought up her two kids. She's got a, a son and a daughter. The son is single and her daughter's married. And it was really kind of a, a sweet story to, to hear about it because when she received the life insurance funds, she told me that it was inside of one of the documents inside of the binder that held the trust that they wanted her to split that money with her two kids. So it was a pretty surreal moment or pretty wonderful moment, I should say, to hear that she writes these checks to her kids for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And she asked me about that. When she and I started kind of the game plan for her with her wealth, she said, I'd really like to have my son, especially on a call with you sometime so he can kind of hear what you're setting up for me. Is that okay? I said, Stacy, absolutely. I said, if you have that relationship with your kids and you're that transparent with them, by all means, let's bring them on because they might bring up something that maybe you didn't think of and, and vice versa. So Patrice, to answer your question, I am all about having family members. If they're that open to sharing those numbers with their kids, then by all means, let's have the conversation with everybody at the table. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking too, if you're writing a check for several hundred thousand dollars and giving it to your child, you want perhaps some rules on yes. uh, for them on how to spend that money. <laughs> right. Your decision is not to choose the Ferrari in red or yellow. Your decision is to put that money to use. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. 
Oh, Tim, is there anything else you want to touch on that we have not? This has been a very thoughtful, sobering podcast. No, I appreciate that, Patrice. And like I said, I always hesitate to talk like this because I don't want it to be morbid, but I want it to be realistic. I want it to resonate with people because we see it all the time. We see some type of post on Facebook about somebody passing away too soon. And I just got another notification from a very well-esteemed man in our industry about one of his contacts just passed away at 41 years of age. Mm. It's very sobering, but it's again, it's a very strong reminder that we have to plan for it. So my takeaway is sit down with your spouse, evaluate things, have that conversation, no matter how uncomfortable it is, because of the two choices, we'd rather face an uncomfortable conversation for a few minutes or face years of uncertainty because we didn't plan ahead. Right. So have that conversation. And then again, if as we age and we think that there might be an inheritance at some point, and we're in mom and dad are open with talking about that, have that conversation. And if we do receive that influx of funds, either through an inheritance or through a gift, whatever the case may be, think things through and take your time with it. When the funds come in, park it in a bank. The bank's not going to pay a whole lot, but it's not going to go anywhere, but it gives you time to kind of think through some things and really evaluate how do we want to best leverage these funds? Because like we said, it may just be a one-time gift. Yeah. All right, Tim, how can people reach you if they've got questions? And I'm sure they will. <laughs> people can reach me a couple different ways. They can send me an email, which is tim at thewhistleragency.com. Again, there's no T in Whistler. They can jump on our website. They go to www.thewhistleragency.com. We have a plethora of different types of resources available there. And they can also give me a phone call. Phone number is 309-291-0491. All right, as Tim has pointed out, Planning can make a world of difference for your family in good times and sad times. So follow this podcast, subscribe to Whistler While You Retire for more suggestions on how to do that and many more things. Share with friends and colleagues as well. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC.